Today is December 22nd, 2021, and our first story, vaccine passport microchip implants. They're real. You may have heard the story. We've talked about it a bit, but boy, Alex Jones sure does get things right sometimes, and often no one wants to believe it because it's so crazy, but here we go. Local news outlets are touting implantable vaccine passports. Now we have several cities, Chicago, Boston, D.C., announcing vaccine mandates, and it will likely only escalate from here. In our next story, the U.S. birth rate has reached record lows not seen since the foundation of this country. Meanwhile, immigration is at an all-time high, and New York will allow non-citizens to vote. Certainly seems like this country is eroding. And our last segment is actually a conversation between me and my sister. I wanted to address some of the statements made by Ray the rugged man who accused me of lying, and Cenk Uger of the Young Turks also did as well. I'm not super concerned if they don't like or believe me, but I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about my politics, my family, and have my sister there to talk about what it was like growing up in Chicago. Something a little different just before Christmas, but should be interesting nonetheless. So with that being said, give us five stars, leave a good review, and tell your friends about the show. Now, let's get into that first story. There's a viral clip going around right now of Alex Jones losing it, getting mad on air again, as he often does. In this clip, he kind of gets a little depressed, seeming a little down, and he says, I just can't get mad on the air, mad on the air anymore. He goes off on Trump for pushing vaccines and things like that. Now, look, I don't I don't watch too much of uh, Alex Jones's show. I've been on his show recently. We're just in Austin. But uh, Man, there's a, there's a meme going around about how he's been right about so much. Now, truth be told, I think there's a lot of things that Alex is very, very much wrong about. But I remember back, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. No, this is like 13 years ago. I think it was like 2009 or so when he was talking, Alex Jones was talking about Verichip, which was this company that was producing these subdermal microchips you could put in your hand. And it was it was an it was a radio frequency identification could be used to call up your information in a database, be used to open doors and things like that. Now, you may have seen this story a few weeks ago, but it's still gaining more and more traction. And I wonder if this is finally the moment when these conspiracies just, they, they keep coming true, and now we're going to see them all come to fruition. We have the story from Fox Baltimore. Implanted microchip could be used to verify COVID-19 vac status. But truth be told, They were saying very similar things in mainstream news a decade ago about this microchip and people just don't want to use it. It's in it's not convenient. It doesn't help anybody. But there are people right now in Sweden that are getting this implanted and it contains their their vaccine information and other identification. And when I saw this story drop in a local news outlet, I thought to myself, these conspiracy theories just keep coming true. You know, last year, They said that there weren't going to be vaccine mandates. There was conspiracy theorists that were pushing it. Well, here we are. Chicago, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. have all just announced, you know, right before the holiday that they're going to be implementing vaccine mandates. In fact, in Chicago, the mayor said it is designed to make life harder for you. Bill de Blasio said quite explicitly, we're tying your paycheck to whether or not you get the vaccine. And this is a year a year ago that they were saying this will not happen. We now have a Twitter post, an editorial that says the Great Reset is the plan for you know restarting the economy after COVID, according to fact checkers. The Anti-Defamation League said that very idea was a conspiracy theory. 
The World Economic Forum said the Great Reset Initiative was a real thing. Many of us pointed it out, pointed out that these powerful elites have an agenda, that they plan to exploit this crisis, and they're going to be changing our economic system, and they call it the Great Reset. The Anti-Defamation League said that's not true, it's a lie. Or they try to frame it in such a way to make it seem like it's a lie. And then today they say, yeah, actually, that is their plan for restarting the economy. So I just wonder, as all this stuff is happening, how much more of, of what Alex Jones has talked about will turn out to be right? Because, you know, when he goes on uh, Joe Rogan's show and he's like, you know, the, the, the cell phones and the human animal hybrids and, blah, and we're all just like, oh, geez, this is so crazy. And now this keeps happening. Look, I don't think it's proof that Alex Jones is right about everything, but certainly it's starting to put doubt in the minds of his critics when they're kind of like, well, you know, maybe. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But how is it that we are now dealing with a story about these microchip implants? I remember 10 or so years ago, Alex Jones was talking about real ID. Real ID was a real thing. It's happening if you're not familiar with it. So then I see these stories about the vaccine mandate expanding to all these other cities. And I think we're going to see hard lockdowns. I think what they've what they've consistently done, what you know, the, the politicians, mostly the Democrats, is they'll start slow. And then once you accept it, they'll hit you with the hey, you know, they'll hit you with the, the hard right jab or the, the, you get you get you get death by a thousand cuts. They do these little things. And then the big, powerful blow to end the, end the match. And what I mean by that is they're coming out now saying, just get your vaccine and everything will be fine. They said, just just wear your mask. It's just two weeks. And every step of the way, when people comply, it just keeps getting worse. I wonder if we're just in some grand experiment to see how much people are willing to take. Maybe that's the point of this whole simulation, to put human beings into undue stress and then see at what point they'll finally snap. I don't know, but it feels like we're getting close. Now, I want to read to you about the microchip story, and I want to talk to you about how the media manipulates. And ultimately, I guess the thesis here is that conspiracy theories keep coming true for whatever reason. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support all of the work that we do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to stop for a second and just say, you know, Alex Jones on his show said maybe he'll just stop and just never come back because he's kind of done with it. He's over it. And I, I feel it, man. I feel it. And I'm sitting here. I was thinking about, you know, we're going to do the shout out for TimCast.com. We're working really hard to build this media space to challenge the manipulations and the lies. And boy, is it tough. It really is, because you even have uh, conservatives who are just willing to comply and just say, yeah, you know, no one's going to do anything. You know what I mean? And look, I don't want people to, to go out and do anything rash. I'm just talking about nonviolent civil disobedience. We're seeing people in New York stand up and say no. But if I'm talking about store owners and small business owners, I'm talking about police. If they just said, I'm not going to participate, we'd be done. We would be done in two seconds. But these people, they just keep complying and it gets worse because of it. But I won't. The Daily Wire won't. And if you want to support my work, go to TimCast.com, become a member. This is what fuels the entire machine, all the work we're doing, and it's greatly appreciated. You'll get access to TimCast IRL members-only segments, as well as a lot of other members-only segments from different shows. And you're going to help us employ more and more journalists. Let's read this first story and talk about the implants before we get into the propaganda, because you've probably been told that implanted microchips is a conspiracy theory. Well, here it is. Implanted microchip could be used to verify COVID-19 vac status. I think it's important to point out 
this could just be sensationalist trash because it's so much easier to just use your phone app and have the QR code than it is to actually implant something in your skin. That's invasive. People aren't going to be lining up to get these big injections unless there's serious undue pressure. They go on to say microchip technology invented by Swedish startup company Epicenter is now being presented as a possible way to carry around a COVID-19 vax passport under a person's skin, according to a viral video. Yes, that's called a subdermal microchip. Beep, boop, beep, your vaccination record has been verified, says the caption of the video posted to Twitter by South China Morning Post. Remember when we were told it was a conspiracy theory that they would use microchips to track your vaccine status? Now we're here and they're saying it's all true? Not that anyone's actually going to mandate this. I don't know, but I would not be surprised. Imagine showing your COVID-19 passport with the flash of your arm. The video says the video explains the microchip uses pre-existing technology. The startup company has already developed to employ near field communication and send data to any compatible device. Smartphones are listed as an example. Implants are a very versatile technology that can be used for many different things, says Epicenter's chief disruption officer, Hans Slobodblad, uh, however you pronounce it, in the video. Right now, it is very convenient to have a COVID passport always accessible on your implant. Maybe. Maybe the reason the microchip implants didn't take off 10 years ago was that there was no practical reason to have it. Opening a door didn't matter too much to people and cell phones were more convenient. But as they keep pushing and pushing and pushing, people eventually just say, please, I will do anything you say. And if we're already at the point where people are willing to get several injections to comply, what's one more injection, the final injection? This will give you back your freedom and we will have peace. Yeah. Mayor Lori Lightfoot announces new Chicago COVID restrictions, proof of vaccine testing indoors, Chicago COVID update, new mitigation efforts aimed at stemming spread of Omicron variant. I don't believe you. I don't believe these people at all. They say the city of Chicago is imposing a wide ranging vaccine mandate that will affect bars, restaurants, gyms and more after the first year. You get it. You get it. Same as like we see in all these other cities. But let me show you what's special about this one. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has no problem pulling down the mask and revealing the fascist. Mayor Lori Lightfoot tweets, to put it simply, if you have been living vaccine free, your time is up. If you wish to live life, as with the ease to do the things you love, you must be vaxxed. This health order may pose an inconvenience to the unvaccinated. And in fact, it is inconvenient by design. They're spitting in your face. They are spitting in your face. Healthy people, people with medical uh, conditions preventing vaccine, uh, preventing them from getting the vaccine. They're not just inconveniencing the unvaccinated. They're inconveniencing the medically disabled. They're inconveniencing people with allergies. They're inconveniencing people who have already received other treatments that bar them from getting access from taking the vaccine. They don't care. But the, the, the main point here, as we see here in Chicago and now Boston, Boston mayor lines up vaccine mandates amid pushback from city workers. As we see here with Washington, D.C., D.C. Health has ordered additional five million rapid antigen tests, yada, yada. They will be requiring January 15th at 6 a.m. Establishments will be required to verify that patrons ages 12 and older have received at least one dose of the vaccine. All of the people who said it was not true and it was a conspiracy theory. They were wrong. 
it, it's not a conspiracy theory. And it is very likely the vaccine mandates will sweep the entirety of the U.S. I don't care if you're in Florida, Texas, or otherwise. Florida may be a holdout. Texas may be. Maybe. But I have to imagine it's going to be very difficult to get West Virginia or Florida or these other states to abide by a vaccine mandate. And I think you would be dangerously close to outright civil war if that were the case. And, and, and I know people don't care to hear it. Some people acknowledge it. Many people don't. It doesn't matter. I don't care. You don't have to like my, my opinion on the matter. But you tell me what happens when people are being told we are going to inject this into your body. Otherwise, no food for you. We're already seeing nonviolent civil disobedience, which is a good thing. The guy, who, the people who protest, they get arrested. That's how it works. I think generally mass noncompliance is the most effective way to deal with this. And I hope that remains the, the, the principal strategy. Like I said, imagine if everybody who lived in D.C. just said, I don't care what the mayor says and went about their business like normal. There would be no vax mandate. People would just carry on with their lives and the despots would fail. But it seems like too many people are just complying. They don't care that this is not legal or not constitutional. They just comply. That scares me because I think you're going to get crazy people who resort to violence. And I don't know what else to say other than, man, I certainly hope not. But let's carry on. Let's talk about this conspiracy here. Um, Thomas Massey, you know, he wants uh, Congress to assert constitutional overrule to this medical apartheid, he said. And I really don't think it will happen. I like Thomas Massey. I just don't think it'll happen. We have more vaccine mandates at uh, Cal State will mandate students to get the COVID-19 booster shots. So the, 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 the two shots, irrelevant. Now you got to get the third and eventually the fourth. And who knows how often this will keep carrying on. In Spain, they're going to be requiring masks outdoors. In Austria, they're going to be fining people 3,600 euros, and they're hiring inspectors to go track people down. All of these things were said to be conspiracy theories. The vax mandate, conspiracy theory. The boosters. I, I love this example. Famously, Dave Rubin said they're going to bring out boosters, and he got suspended on Twitter for saying it. Now, it's a fact, and it's in our faces. Austria has an outright vax mandate for all citizens, and they're hiring inspectors to hunt you down. What will this lead to? The economy will continue to crumble. Biden's economic ratings are worse than Carter's. All right, let's go back to the first story. Implanting microchips. When the vax, uh, vaccine first came out, many people said, this is an excuse to get you microchipped. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, these fact, fact checks emerged, and they targeted very specific claims, which were more absurd, to make it seem like this story was just a wild conspiracy theory that would never happen. Let me show you some of these crazy crackpot fact checks. From the BBC, May 30th, 2020, coronavirus, Bill Gates' microchip conspiracy theory and other vaccine claims fact checked. Here's someone wearing a mask. It says, Gib Gates, you know, don't pay the bill. They say, first up, a conspiracy theory about the vaccines. It claims that the coronavirus pandemic is a cover for a plan to implant trackable microchips and that Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates is behind it. We found no evidence to support these claims. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation told the BBC the claims were false. And I think it's fair to say they are. See, the problem is when someone comes out and says something simple, like this is a perfect uh, a crisis they could use to mandate or drive microchipping. 
People then take it to an extreme place. And this is my biggest problem with conspiracy theorists. It becomes so easy to debunk the entirety of the claim because you sound nuts. So when there are issues, the 2020 election pertaining to voting in the park or changing rules, things that have factually happened, and we talk about the Time magazine article, the shadow campaign to save the election, all that stuff actually happened and needs to be addressed. But then you get people coming out saying, in Venezuela, I got in Germany, there's a shootout, and they believe these crazy things. <clears throat> Excuse me. They push these crazy things that just make it so no one will listen. And so when you come out and say something as sane and as kind of shocking in many ways that, yeah, there is a push for microchips under your skin in your hand to track vaccines, vaccine passports. People are going to go, oh, my, here we go. The microchips of Bill Gates and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, geez, man, I don't know anything about Bill Gates doing any of this stuff. There is a Bill Gates microchip thing pretending to birth control or whatever. I didn't find, you know, I did some cursory research. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on Bill Gates' history. It doesn't matter. There are companies that want to do this. Maybe they won't do it because it's just shock content and it's inconvenient and the phones make more sense. But they said microchip vaccine tracking, not real. Bill Gates is not planning to microchip the world through a COVID-19 vaccine. You see, they conflated a lot of this. And, 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 and I will stress a lot of people did think the vaccine itself was some weird microchip. It was stupid. But they conflate several things all into one. And then it makes everyone sound crazy. Is Bill Gates planning to microchip people through a COVID vaccine? No, I think that's absurd. I think it's patently absurd. Will special interests citing the need for tracking vaccination encourage microchipping? That is literally happening right now. I just showed you Fox Baltimore. Here's one. Factcheck.org. Conspiracy theory misinterprets goals of Gates Foundation. Yeah, 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 we get it. Here we have one from uh, BBVA Open Mind, technology under your skin, three challenges of microchip implants from April of this year. They go on to say as technology continues to get closer to merge with our bodies from smartphones, blah, 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 blah. And then they say in Sweden, thousands have had microchips inserted into their hands. The chips are designed to speed up users' daily routines and make their lives more convenient. Accessing their homes, offices, and gyms is as easy as swiping their hands against digital readers. Chips can also be used to store emergency contact details. Advocates for the tiny chips say they're safe and largely protected from hacking. This was well before vaccine passports. This is in April of this year, before vaccines had become very widespread. They were just, you know, early, it was early rollout. But let's go back in time. Singularity Hub wrote in 2009, will your ID soon be a microchip under your skin? Yet another sci-fi milestone is upon us. Now, this was back then when Alex Jones was talking about this and they said he was crazy. Well, here we go. USA Today, 2017, you will get chipped eventually. Interesting. They say you will get chipped. It's just a matter of time. In the aftermath of a Wisconsin firm embedding microchips in employees last week to ditch company badges and corporate uh, logons, the internet has entered into full-throated debate. Religious activists are so appalled, they've been penning nasty one-star reviews of the company. On the flip side, seemingly everyone else wants to know. Is this what real life is soon going to be like at work? Will I be chipped? It will happen to everybody, says Noel Chesley, 49. But not this year and not in 2018, maybe not in my generation, but certainly that of my kids. Well, here we go. Is this the crisis to exploit to get people chipped? 
Now, I certainly think it's absurd to believe that they you like that. There's a consp- I guess one of the conspiracies is that COVID was released intentionally so they could have a crisis to exploit and then inject people with chips. You're getting a little too in the weeds, man. I don't know about any of that stuff. Certainly, we can talk about lab leak. We can talk about error. We can talk about Fauci and irresponsibility. And we can certainly say that there are people who want humans to be chipped. Sure. But all of that. No, no, no. You don't need to draw. The, you don't need to connect those dots. All we need to say is there's a crisis and it's certainly being exploited. And one of the groups that are exploiting it have chips to sell people. So there you go. It's almost a profit incentive, right? Gene Muster, an investor and analyst at Loop Ventures, is an advocate for augmented reality, virtual reality, and other new tech. He thinks embedded chips in humans, on human bodies, is 50 years away. In 10 years, Facebook, Google, Apple, and Tesla will not have their employees chipped. You'll see some extreme forward-looking tech people adopting it, but not large companies. The idea of being chipped has too much negative connotation today. But by 20, 2067, we will have been desensitized by the social stigma. I've talked well about this and Neuralink. Elon Musk, everybody loves that guy, right? Except the left. But he's talking about getting Neuralink implants in people by next year. I should say this year because we're basically about to enter 2022. He's saying that there, it's going to be in people, you know, helping people who have paralysis and other uh, neurological uh, degeneration or diseases. So we're there. We are here. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. As I described it as, uh, as this, a story, my grandfather told me that when he was younger, they thought social, social security numbers were insane, that the government would have a number on you that you needed was nuts. And then he said, you were, you were born into it. You don't know or care. And that's what's going to happen. Or I should say that's what's extremely likely to happen. I still think it's very likely that implanted chips are just too inconvenient for people. Cell phones do so much more and everybody has to have one. They're addicted to these tracking devices. But just maybe people will start adopting them. There will be mandates for them. They will say you have to get your chip already they are Look, desensitization is happening. They're saying get your vaccine. And if you want to, that's on you. You go to the doctor, figure out what makes sense for you. But they're telling people the government has mandated this injection. How far away are we from the government saying we're going to mandate another injection, a microchip? It's for your convenience to vax passport. Now, that's a little bit of a leap. Here's what I think will happen. I think we will start seeing companies. First, we're going to see we see the vax mandates in all of these places in Chicago. There's a problem with counterfeits. They'll say, okay. Everybody should have the app. Get the app. It tracks your that that way. We don't got to deal with counterfeits, right? Then they'll say, well, the app is inconvenient for some people. So you can always try Vax, you know, Vax Passport, uh, Vax Pass Plus. They'll say, get your Vax Pass Plus that you just get it embedded in your hand. Vax Pass Plus Max. If you watch South Park, you'll get the reference. And they'll just be like, looks, you're you're you want to stay up to date. The, the, the microchip you put in your hand, it's super convenient. It works for a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, it has your wallet on it. And we can use this for tracking your Vax Passport. And you can enter buildings just that easy. Get Vax Pass Plus today. So maybe not this year, maybe not next, maybe not the year after it. Or maybe, maybe it'll happen that fast. What's going to happen is with all of these cities mandating vaccination, in my opinion, it's going to become increasingly inconvenient for people to carry around these large cards. People have already stated the cards don't fit in our wallets or our bags and they get destroyed and they're easily lost. So then they say, well, get the app. But then someone's going to hear you're going to hear stories. People saying, my phone got stolen. What do I do? It's so inconvenient. And then they're going to say, have you considered upgrading to VaxPass Plus? 
Have you considered getting your, your, your microchip? You'll never lose it. It's always there. How easy is that? You've already gotten a bunch of injections for the Vax Passport. What's just this one more? And it's easy. It can always be taken out. It's no big deal. Once we get to that point, they'll start offering it to kids. Do you want your kid to have the, the, you know, the, the Vax Pass Plus? You know, think about what might happen if they're kidnapped and we want to verify identity. What happens if they get in a car accident? We need to f- figure out who they are. What happens if your kid passes out and we don't know their medical history and they may be allergic to some medicine and the doctor might want to give it to them? They could just scan the Vax Pass Plus and then your child will be safe and there will be peace. And then everyone's going to drop to their knees and say, I will do anything you say. Or maybe we're Luddites. And maybe this is inevitable. I think Neuralink is inevitable. I think humans combining their brains with the network is inevitable. I really do. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying, you know, humans want to stimulate their carnal desires. And that's what we are. And that's what we get. People want to watch porn online. They want to play video games all day. They want to stimulate, trigger that dopamine. They want to get that rush. They're driven by it. And so people develop addictions, be it drugs, alcohol, food, sugar, gambling, or otherwise. Video games, man, they give people that release. They, they, they complete a task and their brain says, you did it. You get it. Reminds me of that Star Trek, the next generation episode. You should check it out. I think it's called The Game, where everyone's wearing these headbands where you're trying like it's, it's, a, it's an augmented reality game where you're trying to throw a disc into a funnel. And then when you figure it out, you get a dopamine hit and they're like, oh, but then you just chase after it. And you do as you're told because you don't want to lose that rush. And they become brainwashed and addicted. Basically just turns them into like, you know, zombie slaves for this alien or something like that. Now oh, you should check out the show. It's a great show. But I do think we're heading that direction. There will be pockets of resistance, but here's what will happen. These people will have less access to resources. So let me explain some basic math and artificial selection. Take two populations of mice and put them in, you know, little houses. Then you have, uh, uh, or actually, let's 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 put it this way. You take one big thing full of mice and you have a big thing of food. But the only way to get to the food is to endure a painful electric shock. Well, here's what will happen. Most of the mice will figure out the button, you know, they'll they'll walk up to the button, they'll hit it, and it'll open up and food will come out. Or they'll they'll get access, they'll be able to climb into a room where there's food. And they'll eat to their heart's content and then come down and go back into their place. And then here's what will happen. Eventually, the button will induce a shock that's very painful. There will be some mice that are unwilling to endure that shock. And there will be many mice that are willing to endure it. You'll see some, many of these mice will just endure the suffering because they desperately want to eat. Other mice will not be willing to endure that shock, and they will not be as likely to eat. The ones that get access to the food are more likely to reproduce, and the ones who don't are less likely to reproduce. And thus, given a long enough period of time, the math becomes obvious. Those who comply with the painful shocks become accepting of it, and it becomes a part of the baby's lives, and they all just go on with it because that's how you have to get food. But the mice that are like, I won't do it, I refuse, or I can't endure this pain, they die off. So here's what I would see in the U.S. With the vaccine mandates, it's going to be harder and harder for regular working people who don't get vaccinated to survive. Now, they'll, they'll survive. They'll have good lives. I mean, life's not bad. I'm just saying it'll be harder for them. It'll be harder for them to go to bars to meet people. 
their friends will be like, hey, we're all going to the bar. You want to come? It's like, I can't do it. I'm not vaccinated. And they're like, get vaccinated. Be like, dude, I'm not going to do it. And then you won't be able to participate. You'll be less likely to meet people. You'll be a very different kind of person and maybe go off and live somewhere else. Now, from that, there can be a few different things, a complete divergence between red and blue states. Red states are going to say, no, rural areas, you can't really enforce this stuff. Farmers are going to have access to their own food. And maybe what this really results in, blue states going nuts and setting up border checkpoints and red state people can't get into these states. Yo, I think we're just headed towards civil war. That seems to be the most likely. In West Virginia, I can go to restaurants, don't need a mask, don't need vaccination. I can go to the casino, thousands of people all sitting next to each other, coughing and breathing and doing whatever, no masks, no vaccines. In fact, when you walk in, it says, take your mask off because they want to see your face. They got cameras everywhere. You've got it. But people will, you know, they, they take their mask off. They go inside. Some people put them on. Nobody really cares. Now, maybe these red states will eventually adopt these draconian policies. Maybe. Or maybe red states just never do because the, there's no willpower to enforce it. And the, and the people here will reject it. But the blue states are doing it. And people in these cities like it. I mean, they don't really, but they're such spineless cowards. They're unwilling to fight against it. Not all of them, but a lot of them are just so pathetic that they're going to say, OK, fine, I guess I'll give in instead of just being like, nah, I ain't going to do it. Ain't going to enforce it. Do what you will. I think many of these people will give in and those that don't will be destroyed, forced to leave. So ultimately what I see happening is these Democrats are going to use the iron fist on those who refuse and many people will flee the cities and the divide between red and blue, whatever you want to call it, will start to get worse. In 2020, the lockdowns were really bad. It was crazy. You know, in my backyard, when we were in the Philly area, we had a little fire pit and we'd sit outside and we'd roast marshmallows sometimes or, you know, cook some meat or something. Not really for the most part. We just have a fire and we'd hang out. You know, Ian loved starting, starting the fires in the fire pit. And we would just go in the backyard and chill and hang out. We had our own space to skate. So I wasn't super worried about it. We had a mini ramp and a little flat and I was skateboarding. And I was like, man, it must be crazy to be in New York locked in that cubicle because even where we lived, they said you couldn't go outside. But eventually I said, I'm not going to sit around and wait to see the expansion of this. Because you know what I thought? You know what I figured? I was like, they could shut down the bridges. They could tr- like, it's a peninsula. We can't go anywhere. I'm getting out. We thought about where to go. Florida, New Hampshire, Texas, Maine. And I was like, I think West Virginia is pretty good. We're close enough to DC, but far away enough from it. And being in West Virginia and the periphery, I should say, because we work out of Maryland, is um, you got freedom. And so ultimately, that's what we decided to do. Now I, someone who's always lived in cities, I was surprised to be like, man, I can't believe I'm really going to West Virginia. Like there's very few people who live in this entire state, but you know what? There's freedom and I can flourish. And my friends can and other people we've hired have moved out here and no masks, no mandates. We can go where we want, eat what we want, do what we want. Now, apparently we can't go to DC. You want to do anything. They got vaccine mandates starting January 15th. That to me is really incredible. I, as someone who was always kind of center left, city, Democrat kind of person over the past few years, have said freedom is more important. And so now here I am in the reddest, one of the reddest states, second, second uh, uh, most Trump supporting state in the country. So that's what I think is going to happen. Hyperpolarization will become something substantially worse than you realize. New Yorkers will affect New York will effectively be a foreign country. What's happening is this country is being ripped asunder. It's going to turn into a bunch of warring nation states. I mean, maybe, I don't know. 
But already it's like California is indistinguishable from West Virginia. They may as well be different countries. And thus seems to be where we're headed. But I can at least say a few things definitively. Man, Alex Jones, you got so much right, didn't you? You got so much right. I can see the frustration. How long he's been ranting about so much of this stuff. I guess the problem is a lot of the stuff you said just sounds crazy. You know, we talked about microchips back then. We're still kind of in a similar place. We'll see what happens with the microchips moving forward. But honestly, it's crazy that uh, you've got so many people saying like, didn't Alex Jones say this is going to happen? Man, that's nuts. And all of these conspiracy theories they claimed weren't real. Here they go. And 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 I'll show you right here. This is from Phil That Remains. He says, I remember last week and the uh, last week and the Great Reset was a conspiracy theory. Now they just say the Great Reset is the World Economic Forum's proposal for post-COVID economic recovery. They said it was a conspiracy theory. The ADL says the Great Reset conspiracy flourishes amid continued pandemic. They said since first emerging in the spring of 2020, the Great Reset conspiracy has gained traction in both mainstream and fringe circles alike. Adherents warn that global elites will use the pandemic to advance their interests and push forward a globalist plot to destroy American sovereignty and prosperity. However, there are more outlandish blah, blah, blah. I mean, sure, the most extreme version of it. But the Great Reset was, is real. And they kept calling it a conspiracy theory. Well, here we go. You know what? We'll see how things play out, I guess. Merry Christmas, everybody. We are going to be live at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl with Jack Murphy. And I think it might just be me and Jack hanging out because everybody has quit working because it's the Christmas week, I guess. So thanks for hanging out. And uh, we'll see you all tonight at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Merry Christmas, everybody. We have this story over at TimCast.com. U.S. population growth hits lowest rate since nation's founding. And that's true. People are not having babies. In fact, uh, Cassandra Fairbanks writes, according to new figures released by the U.S. Census Bureau on Tuesday, the United States grew by only 0.1% from July 2020 through July 2021. During the time frame, the U.S. population grew by just 392,665 people, the first time growing by less than a million since 1937. Now, I'll read a little bit more uh, from the story, give you some more context, but I want to point out, technically, the article is wrong. Population growth in the United States hits lowest rate since the nation's founding during the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, when you're talking about population growth in terms of having babies, it's all true. But what if I were to say that, uh, as most of you know, there were over a million people in July who illegally entered the United States and now live here. So the population has grown by more than a million people, just not among citizens. And now I just got to say it because I know, you know, you've got the, the media and the left talking about conspiracy theories and the great replacement or whatever that is. I'm not super familiar with whatever that idea is supposed to be. I don't know if it's some like white nationalist thing where they think like the white people are being replaced or something like that. I don't know about any of that stuff. What I can say is it is a fact that American citizens are having very few babies and illegal immigrants are crossing the border in record numbers and in in very, very high numbers. And thus, whatever you think is or isn't happening, those are facts. There are less citizens being born, more non-citizens entering the country. And in New York City, they've granted 800,000 non-citizens the right to vote in local elections. I don't care if you want to call that a conspiracy. You can say whatever you want. Facts are facts. Now, I don't know about any of this weird stuff about race, because I don't think that's necessarily uh, relevant 
to to you know the conversation because I, I honestly don't care about an individual's race. I care more about culture and values and the Constitution. Of course, there are some people who make everything about race, and I'm not really interested in that. Um, I don't care if the people who are having kids are you know Asian, white, black, or otherwise. The fact remains, U.S. population growth hitting its lowest rates also means that Latinos and and Black Americans and Jewish Americans and Asian Americans and white Americans are all not having babies, and illegal immigrants are crossing those borders. It makes me worried about American culture. It makes me worried about our values, classical uh, liberalism, libertarianism, uh, republicanism. These things are probably going to get washed away because what's going to happen are, is people who do not know our values, don't care for our values, are coming across the border because they want resources. And I can certainly respect that they want resources. I, got, I, I understand that. America's awesome. But when you're not raised in a culture, you don't share those cultural values. So I don't know exactly what will happen, to be completely honest. In fact, many of these people who are crossing the border may end up being substantially more libertarian. They're not willing to adhere to authority figures. They're willing to break laws to take what they want. I'm not saying it's necessarily a good thing. Some of it's probably bad, but it may actually result in people being like, we don't respect government and we're not going to start now. And that's a value we give to our kids. So I don't know for sure, but let's read some more about U.S. population growth. And then we'll talk about, uh, you know, basically immigration and stuff like that. So for TimCast.com, Cassandra goes on. The report added that in more than two dozen states, most notably Florida, deaths outnumbered births. Deaths exceeded births in Florida by more than 45,000 people. But the state saving grace was a migration gain of more than 259,000 people, the nation's highest. You see, TimCast.com has that context. William Frey, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution Metropolitan uh, Policy Program, Brookings Metro, told the AP that he believes the low birth rate means that the U.S. needs to bring in more younger workers from foreign nations. According to the report, Frey said that once there's a handle on the pandemic, the U.S. may eventually see a decrease in deaths. The population growth likely won't bounce back to what it has been in years past because of fewer births. That will increase the need for immigration by younger workers whose taxes can support programs such as Social Security. Uh, You wouldn't need any workers for that stuff if we didn't have those programs, right? So you have a lot of people who are dependent upon government programs. You need a larger youth base to fund those programs. Here's how it works. It's a stupid system that was created by a bunch of stupid people. Basically, you have, I'll use, you know, smaller hypothetical numbers, 100 old people. They're getting Social Security. Okay, that means the government needs to give each individual, let's just say they each get a dollar. They get a dollar every month. So that's $100 having to go out. How, do they, how are they going to get that $100? Well, you can't take the do- a dollar from you know, young people. Let's say you have 100 young people. If you take their whole dollar and that's their monthly salary, well, now they can't eat. So what you need is to take tiny bits from a larger group of people. So let's say you have a thousand young people, because typically there's more young people than old people, right? This was their idea. Hey, look, if old people are dying, there'll be less of them and young people population growth. Let's take 10% of all the young people's money, give it to the older people. And then the young people don't really notice it's only 10%. And the older people can then use, will get a full month's salary. It's not working now. And it's not going to be working for, I mean, it's going to collapse soon. The system is stupid and relies on endless population growth, which is just it it just literally makes no sense. The Social Security system makes literally no sense. And they're going to have to keep increasing taxes to fund it. And if they stop now, they've created an addiction cycle and it's going to be it's going to be bad for everybody. 
I don't want to leave old people out to the cold to die or anything like that. I understand what, why they wanted Social Security. But man, we are not gods. We can't prevent death. At a certain point, if someone is incapable of making money on their own, of sustaining themselves, then they just can't survive. We can't keep playing this game like we will save everyone and everyone will be immortal. It's just not reality. It's not natural. It's not nature. It doesn't make sense. Now, I know people who are on Social Security. I do. Maybe what really needs to happen is that when people get older, their children help support them the way the parents supported them when they were younger. Instead, what we're getting is as our culture starts to break apart and we no longer have family, uh, you know, sticking together or some people don't even have families. And because of this, you now need government to function as that family and it just won't work. Quote, we have an aging population and that means fewer women in childbearing ages. We see younger people putting off having children and they're going to have fewer children. Linda Kahn, a professor at New York University, told the outlet she believes the problem is not about migration, but the lack of support from others. COVID really was a stress test for our whole system and how it fails to support women and families, Khan said. Women were much harder hit in the pandemic. They lost their jobs at greater rates and had to give up their jobs often to do homeschooling. The pressures on women were enormous and there's really no safety net in the U.S. I mean, we do have a safety net. I suppose you could argue it needs to be better. Khan co-authored a study which found that nearly half of the women in New York City were trying to get pregnant before the pandemic gave up within the first few months of COVID's arrival in the U.S. Well, you also have a bunch of stories talking about how people shouldn't have babies because of climate change and things like that. Well, then we have this story. Center for Immigration Studies. Now, the left calls them far right or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know or care. The, the facts are facts. Immigration population hits record 46.2 million in November 2021. Census Bureau data, foreign-born population declined through mid-2020, then rebounded dramatically. Yeah, so we know at the U.S. border, this is, this is a story from June 25th of 2021, U.S. border arrests top 1 million in fiscal year. That's just what we're tracking. So I don't think it's fair to say that the U.S. population is in decline. It's fair to say that America, uh, American citizens are not having babies. But it is also very important to bring up that we are getting massive waves of illegal immigrants and legal immigrants coming into this country. Now, you can call that whatever you want. I will say this. It, 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 this is a basic fact. If American values if, if are not being you know, uh, given to new children who are born in this country and foreign born individuals are coming with other values, then those values will eventually supersede American values. Not uh, absolutely, and maybe not even the next five, 10 years or whatever. But if this remains on you know, in course, then yes, someone who spent 16 years growing up in, say, Guatemala is not going to have American constitutional knowledge or values. They may very well be libertarian, though. They may very well oppose authoritarianism um, because they've experienced it and they fled violence and cartels, and they may want justice. But specifically, you know, they're not they're not going to understand why we have black, you know, Blackstone's formulation, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, things like that, uh, things like that. And if they don't know those have those values, then it will have an impact on everything. We're going to end up with a legal system in the next 20 or 30 years where judges don't know, care or understand. And I'm not saying this is specifically about immigration. I'm saying it's about a lack of American you know, core values. We are going to remove traditions that are good in exchange for generalized random traditions, which may be good, may be bad. I don't know. America's got a lot of bad traditions. Uh, and, and we've only started, you know, we've only been working. Well, we got to keep working to get rid of them. 
And I mentioned this on a, on, on another on other a few other videos, like uh, block busting and redlining, really really bad practices that existed in the United States for basically ever, forever. And uh, we only get rid of these things in the mid to late '80s, which means there are people our age who grew up in block busted neighborhoods, in redlined neighborhoods, and are suffering the results of racist policies. That is systemic racism. Yeah. I think we got to do something about that. The solution appears to be class-based, not race-based. Anyway, my point is, we still have a lot of bad stuff we're trying to sort out. But we need to sort it out. So as we're moving forward as a nation, we want to recognize a few things, as we, we, we always are moving forward. Blackstone's formulation is very important. The Constitution is very important. American, uh, the values bestowed upon us by our founding fathers are very important. But hold on a minute. The founding fathers had slaves, right? We do not value that. We have said no to that. And there was a bloody war fought over that, which means there are many ideas they had that we shouldn't carry forward and many that we should. Notably, the presumption of innocence, which is dying. The presumption of innocence is going away because people are driven by emotion. They just want retribution. And that's not going to solve the problems uh, in this country. It's not going to abolish the prison system. In fact, our prison system is basically just retribution. Someone gets in a car accident and they're like, lock them up for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, bro, it was an accident. If someone intentionally causes harm and says, I'll do it again, that I get, lock them up. If someone accidentally does something, it's like, how is putting them in prison justice for anyone? But that's our system. Why? You know, I think there was a period where, you know, the founding fathers and people in this country understood the idea of justice. But many people also are lazy and spineless cowards. And that means over a long enough period of time, spinelessness can emerge in the system. You'll end up with law enforcement saying it is easier to just lock up this person than to deal with the ramifications of angry of an angry populace, like the George Floyd riots. You know, they just praise them as they burn everything down and destroy it because they're like, you know, we're scared and we're cowardly. So we're just going to give them what they want. A system like this cannot be sustained. Now, now what happens? Well, as you have more and more immigrants coming into the country and you have less and less American citizens being born and you have more policies like this, I mean, come on, man. The United States is falling apart. The New York Times reported this on December 9th. New York City gives 800,000 non-citizens right to vote in local elections. The legislation approved by the city council will set up a system for legal residents to vote in municipal elections. Citizenship means nothing at this point. They say the move places New York City at the forefront of the debate over voting rights, serving as a stark contrast to some states that have that have moved to add voting restrictions, including explicitly barring non-citizens from voting. (laughs) Non-citizens should not be allowed to vote. But really what's happening here is if you tell someone who is a resident but not a citizen they can vote, they are effectively a citizen, period. Because that's what, that's, that's what it is to be a citizen. Someone who, can, who is participating in the system, who is paying taxes into the system and doing these things, they are a citizen. There is a process by which you become a citizen and then you can vote. By allowing non-citizens to vote, you're effectively just abolishing the citizenship test and saying anybody here can just vote for what you want. This should be viewed as unconstitutional. It should be viewed as an affront and violation to, to, to this country. But where are we going? I think it's obvious. I think we're headed towards global citizenship, one world government. And I'm not completely opposed to those things. What I am opposed to is authoritarianism, global authoritarianism and a, lo- a loss of sovereignty. I'll, I'll put it this way. You can have American borders. 
You can have American values. You can have an American constitution. You can have rights granted to, uh, uh, protected, I should say, um, uh, American rights protected, and our values persist. And the U.S. can still participate in a global system of governance and law, which we do, and we can improve upon. That is to say, there can be international courts in dealing with international disputes and preventing war and allowing the world to function together. And you can still be like in the United States, these are our values and our laws. And in Europe, these are your values and laws. And in Mexico, these are your values and laws. Kind of like how different states have different laws. You can live in West Virginia and walk around with a gun. You can't do it in Maryland. And people actually live and work between both states. I do. So it's really confusing. What are you supposed to? Well, you can't. Different states, different laws. Okay, I get that. No one seems to have a problem with that. We recognize why states have their own rights and their rights to make their own laws. The United States should maintain its values and laws and not erode them and destroy them. And we can still be part of a global system that tries to reconcile and prevent conflict. You know, what's funny is there's also no borders uh, like controls between states. We don't seem to care about that. That's pretty interesting to me. Because it results in very serious problems and detriments. Um, it, it does, like people fleeing Michigan for other states, and then Michigan experiences an infrastructure collapse, and then the, the rest of people in Michigan start suffering because of it. It's funny to me because you see similar things happening in the European Union when they open borders, and it's like, you know what, man? I don't know where people draw the line or why they do. But within the U.S., people in the U.S., uh, between states— there's, you, can, you can live in California, you can hop right over to any state you want, and boom, you're a new resident. Just do it. But you can't do that with Mexico, you can't do it with other countries. And I think it's fair to say that even though you can do that in the United States, I recognize that people in America are raised on American values in schools, and they're taught certain things, and values are instilled in them. And it's not monolithic, there's many different uh, worldviews and religions. But maybe we need to be more careful when it comes to other countries, because, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. Someone in California has very different values from someone in West Virginia. Um, they may not even agree in the Constitution anymore. This is going to rip the country apart, not unify it. If you have people from Mexico or Guatemala coming into the U.S., this will not unify this country. It would tear them apart. It will breed conflict and crisis. When you had a period in which, you know, people in Illinois and Chicago believed in America and its values to the same degree that West Virginians did. They just disagreed on like abortion or gay marriage. The country is on the verge of being torn apart. In fact, there was a lot of bipartisanship. Why? Well, everybody was kind of like, we disagree on these things. But, you know, the founding fathers are pretty cool. You don't have that anymore. Now we're seeing what happens when you have complete open borders between states like California who ignore federal law and allow people who are not citizens to come in because they don't respect American values. And it is ripping the country apart and is leading towards more violence, more chaos. This is the funny thing about, you know, the global elites, the ones who want more uh, open borders, the one who want the ones who want globalism. They're actually leading us down a path of self-immolation. People who like uh, unless Unless you can purge all people and start over, unless you can take every person of every different culture and just lock them in a box and then have all the kids raised on new woke values, it ain't going to happen. Communists have tried it. They say, take the undesirables, lead them off and get rid of them. And then maybe if we have only a couple million people who all agree, things will work and it doesn't work. Values are instilled in people based on many different factors, including environmental factors, things you can't change. So you have somebody who grows up in the mountains. They're going to be like, I need a gun. We got bears and boars. 
and I'm not going to be left defenseless. And then people in New York, we don't have bears and boars, don't need guns. So you can't have, you have very different values. That's why it's important we understand the United States, the Constitution, freedom, liberty, and all that stuff. And we understand that while we may have different values with people in different states, if we are, if, if our values are, are, are drifting apart to a degree, we are going to have secession and conflict. So what do you think that means about illegal immigration from Mexico with substantially different values coming into the U.S.? These values are going to clash with people in the U.S. and you're going to get conflict. So I often say, I think immigration is great. I think every single person in the world should be allowed to come to the United States through a legal process. And I genuinely believe that. I don't care about your race. I don't care where you're from. If you believe in freedom and liberty and you know about American core values and you want those values, awesome. Come here. And the people who don't want that, you, you can go anywhere you want to or whatever, right? And that means people of all different racial backgrounds and religious backgrounds might look at America as the great American melting pot and the founding fathers and freedom and liberty and say, that's what I want my kids to understand. That's a good thing. But when people come into this country and they don't have those values, they don't care about those values, and then they are granted the right to vote, well, then you're going to erode those values. And this is just, it's going to be a country for no one. It's going to be a no man's land. It's going to be, it's going to be wild, the wild west. It's going to be cities of lawlessness. And that's exactly what is happening. Non-citizens should not be allowed to vote. The, citizen, the citizenship test is basically, we want you to understand why this country worked so that you can participate in making it better so that you know, but these people are coming with other values. And many of these values are a good thing, for sure. Absolutely. People come from other parts of the world and they say, here's my view and here's what works for me. And that diversity of opinion and worldview actually helps. It does. It's like hybrid vigor. But when you have too many people who come here and say, don't know, don't care and don't want to care, then they're just going to start extracting and then they're going to vote to empower themselves. And those votes will continue to erode the system. And then there's no country anymore. I don't know, man. They'll call it a conspiracy theory when the data is clear. Americans aren't having babies, but immigrants are coming in like crazy. If they don't have American values, then American values will be gone by a couple generations. So we'll see how that plays out, I guess. I don't know what it means. I mean, beyond that, I don't know what we can do. Vote in local elections. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I just think we're headed towards civil war. Uh, CIA advisor said it. Three generals said it. Princeton professor said it. And there's so many people who are like, Tim's wrong about this. It's like, yeah, after everything we've seen over the past few years and what we're seeing now, you don't think there's going to be a civil war. Let me just explain this point for you one more time. Americans are not having babies and millions of non-citizens are coming into this country illegally and they're being granted the right to vote. If you think that doesn't lead to civil war, I don't know what to tell you, man, because when people who aren't citizens are voting and taking away from people who are citizens, I think you're going to see a whole lot of violence. I hope not, man. I really hope not, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, a special segment where I talk to my sister about the story that the young Turks say was fake news, actually, was true. And uh, let me talk all about it. A rather candid uh, uh, discussion, uh, mostly me talking as it always is, but I brought my sister on to basically verify things that I had said and talk about our, our, our past. So check it out, 1 p.m. on this channel. We'll see y'all then. Last week, on TimCast IRL, which is our podcast conversation show, we hosted R.A. the Rugged Man. During that interview, it got very heated and very intense. We were, we were debating and arguing over political issues like critical race theory. And after the show, 
We actually had to take the episode down because R.A. had used a racial slur for white people several times. I don't agree with YouTube's rules in that capacity, but he did. And so we, we went into the uh, members only segment on our website where it also got very, very heated. And that's the first thing we brought up. And you, one of the questions I had for R.A. the Rugged Man was, do you think you should be allowed to use a racial slur depending on the context or the race it's being used against. We ended up getting into a very heated conversation, a very heated debate, where it ultimately culminated in me yelling at R.A. the Rugged Man, insulting him, and then him getting up and swatting the microphone. There's a bit more context than that. I mean, you know, he had called me some insults. He had mocked me and laughed at me. I had raised my voice to him and then basically implied that he was weak and, you know, told him he was that guy. And um, following this, there have been a bunch of people bring, bring this stuff up. But for the most part, uh, beyond that, you know, I addressed the issue. The video ended up getting like half a million views. I decided to, uh, uh, well, fo- following this, the Young Turks hosted him on their platform. Now, they didn't get that many views on it. And I feel like uh, Cenk Uger was really trying to bait me into, I guess, some kind of beef or whatever. Look, Cenk, uh, you know, he was like, he's like, I'm talking to you, Tim. I'm laughing at you. I'm like, bro, please, you're allowed to laugh at me. Like, laugh at me all day and night. It's fine. Whatever. Um, However, I decided that this would be a good opportunity to explain my feelings on what the Young Turks said, why I am not a fan of the Young Turks, why I am not a fan of the modern progressive left, and why I think the Young Turks have continued to isolate themselves. One of the things that I talked about in the members only segment that I was mocked for by Jenk Uger, Anna Kasperian, and R.A. the Rugged Man was my history growing up on the south side of Chicago, dealing with gangs, gang violence, you know, all of that stuff. One of the things the Young Turks said was that I was a liar. They didn't believe me. They said, what was the name of the guy who got veed in my basement? That's what it's called. When, when you want to get initiated into a gang, they called it veed or violated or whatever. At least that's what they called it there. And yeah, that happened in my basement. So I figured, you know what? Um, while I don't really care to get into any kind of beef with Cenk Uger, in fact, I publicly invited him onto the show. I would love to have him. I think it'd be a great conversation. Outside of that, Anna and Cenk, you're absolutely allowed to call me all the names in the book, make fun of me, laugh at me, call me a liar, have all those opinions. I got no issue with that whatsoever. I do, however, have an issue with your disdain for the working class people, your, um, your, this, this idea that I could not have gone through this struggle because I'm too successful. And that's basically what happened. And that's been my experience since Occupy Wall Street. Before I got any public notoriety, they said, oh, you know, Tim Pool is, is, is mixed race and a high school dropout. And all of those things are a perfect example of what's wrong with this country because he's smart. He should be doing better. And then once all these newspapers started highlighting, you know, talking about me, they said I was a white kid. And that's exactly what we ended up with with Ari the Rugged Man. He called me like a white boy who didn't understand any of this stuff. The Young Turks implied that I was lying about my upbringing. And so that's what I really want to address. And we're going to talk a bit about my upbringing. We're going to talk about my history on the South Side. And then I'm going to talk about why I think it's so important to to address these issues in the context of the Young Turks. So joining me today is my sister, Lisa. Hi, everybody. I can't keep track of your last name. I know. I've been married and... Do you want to pull the microphone a little closer? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Pull it real close and talk right into it. Like that? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, What's your last name now? Well, now it's, it's pool. pool. Now okay, it's, it's pool back again. to pool. Yeah, All right. It's back to pool. Because yeah. you've, you've, you've been married a couple times. And couple. Uh, yeah. people have seen Chris on the vlog. Right. And so, uh, you know, people know him. And I figured, well, actually, I'll put it this way. After the show, you know, I'm talking to mom. And she was like, me and Lisa were saying, I can't believe he would say these things and why you're lying. And then when uh, earlier today, when the Young Turks video was going around, and I'm just like, he's trying to get me mad and riled up, whatever. 
That's fine. He's allowed. He's allowed to be mad at me. He's not. He's allowed to not like me. But then you walked in. You were like those I, things he was saying. He I was could lying. not believe the things he was saying on the Young Turks. I was watching that. I'm like, what? Oh my god! And then when I watched, I I watching the interview with you. What he said, like he kept asking about your back. He wanted pictures. I was like, yeah, that what? was weird. Wasn't that Show weird? me a picture Show of you picture. when you were ten Show years me a old. Picture. I was like, I'm like what? what? Yeah, and I every he didn't he didn't believe any of the stuff that went on when we were kids with the gangbangers. Man, I remember all of it because I know I'm older than you. Yeah, by quite a few years. And five years. Five. Well, okay. Okay. What was our address? Forty nine forty one South Laramie in Chicago, Illinois, off of Archer and Cicero. Actually, off of Archer and Laramie to be exact, right by the West Lawn neighborhood. The West Lawn neighborhood was infested with gangbangers. The Popes, like you said, the Almighty Popes. They were all there. The two six, the Kings. Oh yeah, the two six. Remember I the two six? Yeah, the two six. <laughs> I remember all of that. And I've had close friends of mine. Um, almost get jumped by the queens. I had a good friend of mine. Oh, yeah, the queens. Remember the queens? Um, I got a friend of mine um, that I talked to today, and um, she was like, I remember that. She was like, her and her friend were walking down the street in the city, and the queens were trying to jump them. And my girlfriend, she topped fences, got away, but this one girl, she ran down the street straight, and they caught her, and they didn't see her for an hour when Michelle got to her house. And they're like, oh, yeah, where is she? Where's Annette? And then I guess she showed up all beat up because they jumped her and they got her. And it's like, that stuff happened. We lived that. They came to our house. Those yeah. popes, they were there. And it angered me so much trying not to get well, we had, There were like several like, parties, quote unquote parties. There was. And I know I was babysitting um, for a couple that lived across the street from us. I don't know where you were. And I know, um, I don't in know. The house I, I don't know. Bangers? In the house with like, you know, our other brother. And um, so I was babysitting across the street. I look upstairs and I see these grown men walking in. Now, now I'm going to say, my parents, they work a lot. Like, my mom was selling cars. She had a coffee house. Remember, she had the yep. coffee house? This she was, was never home. She worked her butt off at that coffee house. And to be a new business owner, it was like her baby. So she spent the night there. And our dad was a firefighter, so he would not be home some nights. He, he would do, like, 24 hours. He would. And then he would be back for two days. Yeah, he or, was, like, right? on off. It was, like, first, second, and third it shift. It was something like that. It yeah. was weird. And I know they both worked really hard. Blue collar. They tried to work hard. And my mom, when she sold cars, I remember her trying to sell cars while having the coffee house, which is, like, damn next to impossible. She was, I didn't know she was doing both. She did do both briefly, and it drove her damn near insane it was really difficult on her and she was so stressed out and i know it kills her because she wasn't at home a lot well so anyways i'm i see these grown men walking out of the house and i called the phone and i was like who's in the house because it was like you and chris you know and some guy answers the phone he's like yo this is k-dog and i was like what <laughs> what k-dog i don't Sniff remember dog whatever Sniff yeah i know you're really there was j-rock i remember there was that oh, their and shine so yes yeah. but shine was was cool he was cool. Yeah. And I remember that. And then when I finally got done babysitting, I tried to get them all out of the house, but that was like impossible. They're like cockroaches. They were like infested in our house. There was like 30 people. Yeah. It was like drinking. a big old party. Someone, I, was, I was like 10 and one guy handed me a, was it Red Dog? Was that the beer? I, I think so. Red, Red I can't Dog? remember. I had my own room. Thank God. And there were two, there was a couple there. I don't want to say names, but. Yeah, it was a Red Dog. Um, it was a Red Dog. Red Dog beer. There was a couple, this boyfriend and girlfriend, they frequently came to our house. And the boyfriend was a Pope. He completely was in the gang. His first name was Brian. I'm not going to say his last name. But um, and I know it. Um, but he was totally in that gang. And his girlfriend, Kelly, was at her house. Now, I don't oh, know if yeah. you remember this. Yeah, I remember But they got a big old fight in the backyard. And it dragged out into the alley. And it came into our kitchen. And yeah. I remember Brian scratched her neck. She had scratched scratches all in that big ghetto fight and she tried to use the phone to call um a friend mickey sniff dog or whatever and uh he, brian ripped the phone out of the wall 
ripped the phone right out of I the wall. I think I remember that. And I was like, was hey, broken. my mom's going to kill us. Our parents are going to kill us. And I, so, because he was abusive, this guy. He was trying to beat her ass. And so he, um, I grabbed her arm. I dragged her into my room real quick, locked the door, shut it. And I said, call Mickey to pick you up. Call him to pick you up. It was insane. Those gangbangers in our house, it was the worst. Uh, yeah, we totally grew up with that stuff. And for that guy <clears throat> to come on here and say that you didn't live with any of that stuff was complete bull. How old was I when I stopped going to high school? Oh, God, I don't even remember. Oh, God. I don't even know. When did you stop going to high school? I stopped going to high school freshman year. My freshman year. Six months of my freshman year, I quit. Yeah. And I was trying to get my GED because I got my mom at the coffee house. And we meant to go do that, and it just never ended up happening. And um, I, I worked behind the counter at like 5 a.m. Publing or their coffee house. And it was long, crazy hours, and it was hard. You, you, you left freshman year? I did. I left freshman year. Wow. And I remember. I did too. I remember um, the gang banging was so bad. I don't know how mom and dad um, caught on to it or they knew Chris mom was wasn't in trouble. Mom wasn't there. She had. You, I don't know if you know this, but she knows she enrolled Chris into the north side to get uh -huh. him away from the south side. And then I ended up leaving the house and basically going and hanging out at other You people. lived at someone else. You lived at, the, at Wayne's house or something? Yeah, Wayne's like, house. Wayne's house? I basically like, would just go there every single day. It was I like, would be on his porch waiting for his family to come home. Yeah. Because because he had a he had a, he, you know he was a, I don't want to drag too many of like you know my friends who are un, right. uninvolved in all this stuff, but I had a you know I knew this kid from school, and being at his house was normal, and his and his parents were there, yeah. And they would give they would order food and they would order pizza and they would go to the mall. You know and what when, this I, when was? I was at the house, it was empty. It was there were gangbangers. No there was there was yeah there, or there was no food. And I and look, I don't know. I, I think you know mom and dad don't like that that was the case they don't but it was kind of like we were lower middle class we weren't like right. we, we were upper lower class like bouncing between those and i think what happened was and i could probably be wrong because i don't know what the finance situation was like my, my mom and dad took out a loan took out a loan on the house that we had yeah it was so they could open a business because my mom had a dream that she would get out of all this that, mm -hmm. that we would we would make it and that there would be a franchise and then the fam there'd be a family business and it didn't work. Long story short, we lose the house. So we go from like crabs in a barrel trying to crawl out to getting sucked back in and then divorce and all right. that stuff. I feel like it was like the show Shameless. I don't know if you ever saw that show. It's about the South Side of Chicago family, except our parents weren't drug addicts and alcoholics. Tim was Liam. He found a new family. I was Fiona. I took care of Chris and Tim, and Chris was lit. Chris was really, <laughs> Chris was gifted. He went to a gifted school, and that's the show. Early on. Yeah. And then. That was us. We lived the show like shameless, like totally, 100%. That was so us. we, we, er, I feel like early on, you know, we're on the south side of Chicago. It's relatively bad. We, we were on the southwest side, so it wasn't like we were in the place where, well, actually, I take that back. Two blocks away, the hot dog stand had bullet holes in the windows. Yeah, we were so. lit by like their courts. Yeah, it was kind of, Archer and Cicero wasn't a great place. There was, yeah, yeah it was It, it wasn't was, great. It was where uh, a firefighter could ra could have a family of five and right. afford a house. It was, all, it was all, we grew up in a neighborhood. It was all cops and firemen. That's Do you remember mom? So I was a little kid. I was like three or four. Mom's, when the brick got thrown through the window of the van. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't I remember what year that was, but I remember... Mom said in it was minivan. 89. Was it the minivan? Yeah. We had, the, we had, a, the, we had a caravan. Or whatever. It was, I, I think it, we had a Dodge caravan. And I, I think that's what the car was. They threw that, a brick through the window. They threw a brick through it, yeah. And mom said that they put pamphlets in the door about KKK stuff and did. race mixing. It was, uh, and I remember someone threw a rotten chicken in our yard. They did stuff to our, yeah, they did stuff to our house. It was, I don't know if you remember mom, that. I, I remember the damage, but I, I it, 
I was, I don't know, probably too young. People to vandalized be like, our house. It was not cool. <laughs> Mom said they had put white supremacy pamphlets on the door. Right. And she said they were being smart. They knew that if they put it in the mailbox, they could get in trouble. So they were, they were, they were doing it in clever ways to harass us. And I can't remember why she said it stopped. She said something happened where it, where it finally stopped. But she told me if, if once they realize that we act like white people, they'll leave us alone. Oh, I remember that fear. Yeah, that she had that. I remember that. Yeah. She grew up with it. She did. She grew up with a lot of that stuff back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. yeah. She looked like way more Korean. She is more Korean. Well, than so what, what people, I, I mean, first of all, the lighting in this room is as bright as it can possibly get. <laughs> but I, I think it, it, he said, show me a picture. Okay, sure. Like maybe I should pull up the pictures because I mean, I was, d- depending on the season, you know, I can get really dark, really tan or really yeah. not tan. You got that olive skin tone <clears throat> kind of like I do, I guess. But I guess the issue then is, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how if, if you've experienced it, but I was talking to Chris about this too, Chris being our brother, that only in that neighborhood did it not matter what our race was because there are people who are like Mexican. There are people oh, who are yeah. Polish immigrants. Yeah, it really didn't matter. But when I would, me and, and Chris was agreeing with me on this, like when we would go to the suburbs, the white suburbs, they were like, they knew that you weren't, a white person. Oh, you mean like Naperville, Wheaton, like yeah, yeah. Those kind we, of the if, nice suburbs? Yeah. If we, so, you know, as I get older and I start hanging out with more people from different areas, it would always be like, oh, so, so what are you? They immediately would be like, you're not a white person. And the funny thing is, this, this yeah. is like the, 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 I guess the apex of what the Young Turks are trying to talk about and claim we didn't have is <laughs> you, you look white to us, therefore you couldn't possibly know discrimination. I didn't like that. He was stereotyping you like that. All right. That's what that we, just... we don't like. Yeah. And so, so the issue for me is like, I don't know how many times I need to say, like, I don't think we had it worse than like black people in this country who deal with like hardcore racism. But I was just trying to point out, it's funny because this is a leftist talking point, intersectionality, that different people of different backgrounds experience different kinds of racism. So like when I put down on a a job application, I'm Asian and white, you know, dad told me not to do that ever again. Stop. They're not going to hire you. They're going to discriminate against you. So you need to like lie and say you're something else. But they can tell if you're not being white, you know, or they can tell if you're not white. Yeah. They, They could look at us and be like, Oh, yeah. What are you? You're, yeah. some, you're clearly something else. Right. Only when my argument goes against the left argument do they actually say what I'm saying is not true or I'm lying. I can't believe that guy was saying that. I was just like, man. Well, I so so, so here, here's what I want to get to, right? Right. With you basically here telling, you know, part of the stories because there's a yeah. million more. Remember when, uh, our so bike got, remember when my bike got stolen? We were looking for uh, um, Brycey, I think. Bry- oh, the, our dog. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and then, yeah. And then I was riding on the pegs. Yeah. And we wrote, we wrote by the hot dog stand and the dude ran up and said, give me the bike. Oh, by Rocket Park. Yes. No, we weren't by Rocket Park. Wasn't we were by, by L&M Park? Hot Dogs. Yeah, that hot dog stand. Wasn't it wasn't by, by Rocket Park? Park. I thought that was the hot dog stand by Rocket Park because no. it was one. L&M was when you right, walked down. Oh, it was like, no, it was farther, but it was like toward like. Uh, we rode our bike near 47th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and 47th was the barrier between like the white white mixed neighborhood right. and the black neighborhood. And a black dude ran up and said, "Get off the bike." And then we were just two little kids who got off the bike and then he stole it. Yeah, just, that I, I there's so many bikes that got stolen like by us like, "Oh my god, it happened all the time." The hot dog stand had bullet holes Did in the it? window and the windows were bulletproof. I guess it was crazy. Was in my rock park. I think you're right. I think it was Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah L&M was right was on was right on Laramie. Or yeah. no, I think it was on Leamington. Yeah, it so was So you go down and you down. turn right. Yeah. It was like two blocks away. Yeah, I remember. So that. anyway, Here's what I think is important to understand. Several things. The Young Turks brought on Ari the Rugged Man. I don't know this guy's history. You know, some people were saying he was rich. Some people are saying he was poor. I don't think that matters. I think he's racist. And, you know, look, I think we, we hashed it out. We hugged it out. But I still disagree with him politically. When I would say something like, here's what my family went through. 
and it's a fact, and I had to witness particularly what mom went through with it. He's like, I don't care. You're making it up. Your mom's Jesse Smollett. I, I, I can't believe he said that. You know, that's that was I cannot believe he said that. You know, right now, as we speak, my daughter in school right now, your niece. Yeah, she's been be called. She this whole last few weeks, three boys have been calling her a ching chong for the last three weeks now. That's been happening right now. And I've had to deal with that racism with her in school. But she's an, an eighth Korean. Yeah. She doesn't look that Korean. She basically came to school, had a Chinese fan, and um, some boy was like, what is that? And made fun of her fan. And she's, but she's also like, what is she, like 30% white or something? Yeah, she's like more white, but she's like... No, thir- she's like less white because she's... Well, she's... Her dad is Irish. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. and then she's got the Korean side for me. So she's got the portion of um, Asian like you do, kind of like you. But these... And then she's like, no, actually, I'm part Korean. And the whole but few, last few weeks... Yeah, but the whole last few weeks they've been calling her a ching chung and stretching their eyes. And I've had to call the school and I've had to deal with that. Well, that that can't possibly like, happen because she's white, right? Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, so but, but also... What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground... Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what your ethnic background is. Oh, I know. So I did take the Ancestry test DNA. So um, turns out I'm, um, I'm a little bit of German-Irish. I'm uh, a quarter Korean. It did confirm that. You're part Japanese. Ancestry. I am a little bit Japanese. Yeah. And uh, I am uh, European Jewish, turns oh. out. Wow. Hey, tell me about it. <laughs> that threw me too. I thought so I was Hispanic. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have different uh, dads. Right, we do. Um, and I don't know any. I, we, we grew, uh, as far as I know. I think yours was Dutch. <laughs> dad? My, my dad? Or Dutch. our yeah, dad. Our so dad, yeah. When I was born, it was, it was dad, mom, and you. And so yeah. that's all I know. I don't know anything about when you were younger and with mom before dad or anything like that. Um. I don't know a lot. Um, I know that it was just mom and I, and then she met dad, our dad, because he's my dad too. I'm but then he adopted of, you. And he adopted you. me, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was just us, and then he met dad, and then she, she met dad, I mean, and then had you two, yeah. <laughs> basically. So here's what I want to say about the Young Turks. <clears throat> when uh, there's a guy named Vosh, I don't know if you know, if you've heard about Did who he, he was. Him? No, you wouldn't have met him, but he talked about this and he made a really good point, a very important point about this. He played the clip of when I was talking to RA. He was live streaming and the audience was like, you know, F Tim pulling out stuff. And he said, let's be real, guys. If this was any other mixed race Asian person saying they experienced racism and a white guy was laughing in their face, you would be on their side. But you just don't like Tim Pool. Oh, my God. But he's right. So I was like, thank yeah. you for defending me. Of course, he later That's, went on to say I was racist, but sure. Yeah. It's funny, like, to he, have the, He is right, though. Yeah, if it, if it was yeah. any other person being like, I come from a second generation mixed race family and, yeah. and we had white supremacists attack us, the woke people would be like, you see, that's the problem. Yeah. But here's the problem the Young Turks have. So for one, I think for the most part, Jenk was trying to bait me into giving him attention or whatever. That's sure, whatever. Jenk, you're invited on the show. You don't need to laugh at me. You're allowed to. You can do whatever you want. But I really genuinely do want Jenk to come on the show and sit down and have a conversation about everything. I think it would be amazing. And I think we would disagree a lot. And we'd probably, you know, be arguing and all that stuff. But it would be great. So I'd, I'd love for you to come on the show. And everything you said, you want to you want to laugh at me, by all means, do it. 
The one thing I said about Ari the Rugged Man is I was wrong to raise my voice to him. I was wrong to yell him because I invited him here. I asked him to do me a favor and come on my show. And then when he disagreed with me and didn't like what I had to say and made fun of me, I took it personally and raised my voice. I, you can't do that. You can't be like, come into my house. Now I'm going to be mad that you're saying this. No, 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 no. I invited him here. I, I, I will own up to that one. But I will address them saying I'm a liar and that these things didn't happen because they literally did. So here's what I think the real problem is for the Young Turks. They claim to be progressive. They cannot have for their narrative poor people succeeding. Like, so you were a stripper. I was. I was. I did do that. You come a little closer to your mic. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm getting real but, comfortable. <laughs> but so, so uh, you get you drop out of high school. You end up being a stripper. I did that for a few years. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And uh, you got your GED? Uh, yes and no. So no, you didn't get your GED. No, I, uh, I don't have a GED. I don't have a high school diploma. True. I, I passed everything but the math. <laughs> I got to work on that. I actually went in there and passed everything but the math. So here's the problem for their narrative. <laughs> One of the things that he asked me is like, where'd you learn to talk like that? I don't know. TV? Yeah, that about that. Like he, he just, it, I, I know you speak articulate, and I know maybe, maybe I have more of a Chicago accent than you. I don't know, but like TV, he didn't. Yeah, I don't know. He, he really, I don't know what his problem was with you. He just didn't. It's, didn't. it's, it's, it's simple. The, the, the reason the Young Turks are saying all these things, there was no real substance to their arguments. By all means, come here and hash them out genuinely. Both Anna and Cenk, by all means, come here and say everything. Do all the research, bring a dossier and say, here's our problem with you. I will gladly allow you to come on my show and say all of that stuff. But I really genuinely believe the issue they have is that when they go around saying, we need government intervention for healthcare, we need government intervention for education, you know, the system is rigged, all of that stuff, it really hurts the progressive narrative that a high school dropout from the south side of Chicago from a second generation mixed race family who experienced racism has succeeded, is running a big company and encourages people to be strong and to succeed as well. And that you don't need to be living under the boot of the government for these things. Exactly. I, not, yeah. not, I'm not going to pretend like Jenk likes the Democrats or anything. He hates them. He hates the establishment and all stuff. But this narrative is like, during Occupy Wall Street, like I said, they're like, you're this mixed race guy and, and you know, you failed, you, you dropped out of high school, but you're so smart. Like, you should be successful, man. This proves the country is broken. It's racist. It's classist. And then a month later, Time Magazine puts me on this like big feature and they're like, he's a white kid with a silver spoon in his mouth. And what they love to say now is Tim Pool's from the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. Because <laughs> when it turns out I'm actually from Chicago, their only retort is, the suburbs? No, no. That's why I asked you the address first thing. Yeah, it was the south side of Chicago by Midway Airport. We yeah. didn't grow up in the suburbs like Wheaton or Wilmette or Mount Prospect or Naperville, which are very nice suburbs, by the way. But we yeah, didn't grow Evanston. up in those. Evanston. We didn't grow up in those nice suburbs. No. We went to school on the south side of Chicago. I mean, Mark Twain. I went there for a brief moment. It was yeah. a public school. Kennedy. And, there were, and, and they had their own mini gang in the school. Yeah. Do you remember like, Kennedy High School? Yeah. And there yeah. was there was a fight. Like the, <laughs> the, the first month I was <laughs> there, a fight broke out and yeah. someone pulled out a gun. I mean, the high school I went to was Maria High School. It's closed now, but it was an all-girls Catholic high school. But I only went there for a brief period. And it was by Marquette Park where people got shot on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, I was told by Rick. I don't want to say too much about these people's last names or anything. That he called me and he was like, he said he saw two people dragging a carpet with feet hanging out the back of it. Okay. And then the next day they found a dead body. And this, that was over on like 63rd in California. I doubt it. There were some kids who were... Uh, I don't know the full story of this. These are just some of the stories we just heard. There was like a fentanyl outbreak really early on, like well, like the, one of the first fentanyl outbreaks right. on 63rd and Cicero around there. And then there was um, some dude was going to a party and they pulled up 
like a block away from where the party was and parked, but they parked in front of a drug dealer's house who walked up and knocked on the window and was like, what you want? And then they were just like, fuck you, get away from us. Yeah. And so the dude shot two bullets in the car, killing him. Yeah, Something like that. I, I, that, that like, we were at the party. I, don't, I, wasn't, I wasn't witness to like the, oh, the shooting or anything. But yeah, it was like around 63rd in California. And we were at this party and then they were like, holy shit, dude, someone like fucking just got shot twice in the stomach. He's dead. Yeah. The girlfriend I was talking to today, she uh, was telling about the same girl that uh, I pulled in my room with the phone. Um, She was at, there was a bunch of kids hanging out back when they're way in the early mid nineties or something. And uh, that girl, she broke a bottle off of a table and she went across someone's forehead. There's blood everywhere. It was just insane. The gangs that were in our house though, like stuff like that happened. We had fights in our house. Yeah. In our backyard. And our yes. <laughs> I mean they were, they used my bed. Yeah. And then I remember I was like I was a little I was like what, ten? I think and you were. And so they were just like the older guys were like, Stay away, stay away, bro. Like keep them keep them away from the room. And then like I walked over to the room and I pushed the door open and they were banging on my bed. That's I know. And then they freaked out and they pulled me away and they were like, Yo, come on, little man. And then <laughs> they I remember them taking my sheets down to the laundry room, washing them. Oh, that's nice of them. Yeah. How old were those guys? <laughs> I don't know. I think they had to be like in their late teens. Some of them are in their early twenties. Yeah. I think so because no, Shine was older than that. Though. He was older than that. He had to yeah. be in his thirties. That guy was a lot older. And but they clean the Almighty Popes cleaned the house. I think they did. They made macaroni and cheese for us too. They did. They, some of them were nice, and then um, some of them. There was the one guy. He uh, one of them, one of the gangbangers. He robbed our house. He did. He stole dead seven hundred dollar bike. Yeah, he stole, stole a laptop. camcorder. They he whacked off my, onto his magazines. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that. They Family stole, friendly. I'll, I'll, I'll tone it down. They um they stole my Nintendo sixty four. They stole my so Game pissed. Shark. My, my friend's Game Shark. It was James's. Yeah. James. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I know. Let me about. Game Shark, and then they didn't take the PlayStation. They took the Game Shark out of it. That's right. And I was like, Game Shark is a cheating thing. You guys know what Game Shark is. Yeah, I remember. They that. stole that. They climbed in through the fr- through the front window. Yeah, they did. And it was awful because we had our camcorder with family movies and stuff on there that we'll never get back because this guy like yep. robbed our house. So we did have gangbangers in our house and we did grow up with that stuff. And it's for that guy to come on here and just be poking at you like, who are your friends? Who'd you roll with? Yeah, Who'd he was you, like, show me a picture. Show me who, what's their name? And I was like, are you serious Yo, right now? I got no, I, I don't know if Andy will get mad at me for saying his name, but oh, no. uh, Jenk Uger was like, what's the name of the child who got V'd by a gang? Andy Wayner. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know, right? Like I, he, he was like one of our best friends growing up. He was the, he was like, I, I call him like the Eric Cartman of our friend group. He was, he was the Eric Cartman. But, but that was, I, I wasn't hanging out with him back then. Yeah. That was like, so Chris was a year and a half older than me. And that's a bigger gap when you're a lot younger. So Chris was hanging out with these guys. Yeah. And, Chris, I think is the one that brought him in the house. Cause he was starting to get initiated and he was starting to hang out with that bad crew and he brought him in. And, and dad was like, never hang out with Andy ever again. He's not allowed in the right. house. And then I remember Andy came in one day and I was like, my dad's coming home. You got to leave. And he was like, shut up, dude, who cares? And I was like, dude, my dad's going to be here. And you're not allowed to be here. And he goes, break yourself. And then he <laughs> shot me in the leg with a BB gun. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, God. Dick. I remember the cops knocking on our door and asking for um, our dad. And uh, they were like, are you, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Poole? And he was like, yes. And he's like, I believe this credit card belongs to you. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this too. Like, I wasn't witness to Andy getting beat in the basement. That's what they told me. And Andy, I remember he explained it to me. He said it was like. They were, they all hit him like, like pop, 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 pop. So he was like one, two, three, four. And then he felt like he was falling in slow motion and they hit him on the way down. Oh. That's the story I was told. I knew the gangbangers were there. I knew that he got, you know, beat up or whatever. And that's what they said happened. And uh, his name was, was Andy Wayner. And now he's probably mad at me for saying his name publicly, but like, Hey man. Yeah. I don't know. Like we, he was, a, he was a good friend of ours and I haven't talked to him in a decade or whatever, but he, he, he 
light music. He's, you know, we were we were stupid kids doing stupid things. And uh, I don't know what he's up to these days, but uh, there you go. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. say everyone else's names because, like, I don't want to drag everybody into everything. But that's one of the tricks they try to do. Jenk was like, say his name, because they know it's really hard for someone to be like, sure, let me explain to you a child victim of gang violence. Right. Let me expose. Well, look, man, you know, I think the only reason I'm saying Andy's name is because I think he'd be cool with it because he's not. He's, he's, he's not like a whiny loser guy. He's going no. he's, he's yeah. to be able to stick up for himself and speak for himself. There's a lot of other people who might be really hurt and traumatized dealing with the, the death, the drugs and all that stuff. I don't think Andy's one of them. So I got no problem mentioning his name. But there are a lot of other people whose names I'm not going to mention. And I, 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 all I can say is I never once acted like that. What we went through was the apocalypse of poverty because I've seen other countries especially. Right. But all I was trying to say to RA was like, look, man, you know, other people experience this kind of stuff, too. And I don't like it when you are a racist. So to Chank, to Anna, to R.A., my point is this. And let's make this very clear. Yeah, I think that, you know, black people in the United States experience racism way worse than I ever will. Way worse than many other different races. I think, you know, uh, I understand the points of intersectionality. I have no issue with them. In fact, I agree with a lot of them. My issue is the authoritarian application of them. My issue is elitists, millionaires, mocking and belittling people who've experienced these things. And this is why I'll give a shout out to Vosh, because Vosh, who I disagree with and who called me a conservative, which he's wrong about, he said, never argue with someone about their experience because they are the experts on them. You should always respond with okay, but or okay, and. So if someone tells you something about themselves, unless you can definitively prove it wasn't true, you accept what they're saying about themselves because you wouldn't know. So the issue I take is here we do a show, you know, we do a show on Timcast IRL where we're just like, the elites are ripping you off. I think that we've got a problem with, you know, powerful establishment elites from the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, but mostly the Democrats who are trying to lie, cheat, and steal, manipulate, and put a boot on your neck. And I think Jenk actually agrees with me on those points. He just hates the Republicans more. So that's why I kind of feel like the whole bit is an attempt to just bait us into creating drama or whatever. But by all means, dude, if that's what you want, or if you want to have a conversation, you come on the show and we can talk about it. Because he mentioned, he said, if you Tim Pool admits he's a racist, we'll have him on the show. Well, I, I don't know. Um, that's ridiculous. I'll just openly invite you to come on my show for any reason. There's no caveats and there's no consideration. You can just literally come whenever you want, walk in the door. We'll sit you down and put the camera on and get you the microphone and everything. And we'll pay for all of it. I don't like that when people say, I'm poor. I was poor. I fought through these things. Let's try and solve them. Your response is, I'm going to laugh in your face. That's the issue I took with Ari the Rugged Man, was that he's a white guy who says he has white privilege. I'm the second generation mixed race person, a quarter Korean, who's experienced a certain degree of racism, not the worst, but a certain degree. And his response is to laugh, belittle, and say you're a liar. I think the reason is, when I tell him he's wrong and he's a racist, his whole narrative is broken. Same right. thing for the Young Turks. You know, Cenk is, is a large brown man. I believe he's Turkish. So he, by all means, he's entitled to his experiences and opinions, and he can believe what he wants to believe, and he can choose to disbelieve me. But I'll, I'll say outside of disbelief, Vosh nailed it. If you have someone who claims to have white privilege, and that is already the rugged man, and then you have another person saying white supremacists are bad, and they attack mixed race people. Why? Should it, why is his response anything other than, you're correct, I agree with you, that was my point. See, the, the issue is tribalism. When I say those things, R.A. laughs and says, you're a liar. But why is that lying? I'm literally 
telling, saying to him, like, what you just said, I agree with and have experienced myself. Because what they're really about is tribalism and drumming up anger and hate. So I'll, I'll wrap it up with, with a, a, a final thought that I think is important. And that's, I don't view what they do as genuine. Their only response is, you must be a liar. They don't actually care about working class people. They don't care about people like us. They don't care about our experiences. And they're so unfamiliar with what it's like to grow up in a place like the South of Chicago. These stories to them don't make sense and can't possibly be that, true. That, that really bothered me that he just was like, I, I don't believe you. And then to say that you, had, you made this Jesse Smollett story. And I was just like, Isn't that crazy dude? that it's like white supremacists attacked my, my family for being mixed race. And they're like, that's not true. That couldn't happen. But when Jesse Smollett came out with that story and he was like two, two white Trump supporters, yeah. I guess everyone believed him. Yeah, totally. It's, it's it, because they're driven by tribal politics, not principle. They don't care to help people. And they don't like the fact that a, a mixed race high school dropout from the south side of Chicago is running a multi-million dollar business. It yeah, flies in the face it. of their narrative. It flies in the face of what they claim is true. And that way, the, their only solution is to tell their audience, he must be lying. It can't possibly yeah, be true. They don't want to believe it. Well, they, I think because it breaks their narrative. Yeah. All of that critical race theory stuff, the lies, you know, Jank has repeatedly said CRT is not being taught in schools when critical race praxis is absolutely being taught in schools. And the Huffington Post just wrote an article recently where even a leftist said it was literally said it was. So I don't know what world he lives in other than he wants to, uh, you know, I guess, play tribal politics for, yeah. for money. They, I'll, 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 I'll say one, one final thing. This is not a show, Timcast IRL, nor my channels, where I just scream MAGA, MAGA, MAGA all day. I've never been the biggest fan of Trump, but I did support him with a vote in 2020 because he's certainly better than Joe Biden. The Democrats are trash. And I thought his second term agenda had many good things in it. But what they do is they try to stereotype, you know, you're the right winger, you're the conservative, therefore you believe all these things. And the challenge with someone like me is it's just plainly not true. They, they, they can try and say all these things about it. But I'll tell you this. I genuinely believe Jenk will not come on this show because what's going to end up happening is the same thing that happened with Ari the Rugged Man. He's going to say things like, what about this, that, and this issue? And I'm going to say, I agree, you're correct. And it's going to be a big problem for him when he comes on the show and his audience realizes when you actually watch us in context, they would agree with us. So the only thing he can do is call me a liar without any evidence, right. without any basis. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything you wanted to add to? Um, no, I just, uh, I just wanted to come on here and yeah, like, yeah, that stuff. We did experience all of those things. And for him to just tell you that you were lying and made up this story about our brick getting thrown into our minivan as a kid, uh, it really pissed me off. They stole was, the, I don't know, some, the probe got stolen. Mom's probe. That's yeah. right. Her SC probe. She woke up one morning. There was a screwdriver broken off in it. And the next morning it was gone. It was gone. And it was yeah. found and burnt to a crisp in a parking they lot. They destroyed it. They destroyed it. They didn't car. steal it and sell it. They burnt it to a crisp. They burnt it to a crisp. So, so I, I, I can't tell you why they did. I can't tell you why our home was vandalized. I can't tell you. I, well, I can't, I can't say this. I can tell you that my mom said KKK pamphlets were littered in the screen door right. and on the porch. I can tell you that a brick was thrown through the window of our family van. I can tell you that the front of our house was vandalized repeatedly, and I can tell you that my mom's car was stolen and then torched in a parking lot not too far away. And a rotten chicken got thrown in our backyard and shaving cream all over a tree. Yep. And it wasn't Halloween. So, <laughs> <It> wasn't. <laughs> so am I saying that the white supremacists escalated beyond putting pamphlets on our porch? No. 
Am I saying that maybe they did? Yeah, maybe. We know that one of the attacks, uh, at least so my mom says, I was a little kid, right? I want to make sure that's very, that's very clear, was due to the fact that my mom is very visibly a brown woman with a white man and little kids of varying colored hair and yeah. stuff. And then I want to stress this. The car was taken. They didn't sell it. They destroyed it. They, they set it on fire it. in a yeah. parking lot. They, tr- they, they, broke a, uh, they broke a screwdriver off trying to steal it. And the next day, we went to the garage. The door was open. The car was gone. And when the cops found it, it was pulled in a park. It was just sitting in a parking lot. It was torched. You know, that wasn't even mom's car. It was a demo from the dealership she worked at. Wow. Yeah. I think she had to pay for that. Yep. It was awful. Yeah, but uh, far, far be it uh, from me to talk about what actually happened to my family and then the people who are supposed to be my ally. The people who claim that white supremacy is bad, the people who claim that white privilege exists are the ones telling me none of that happened. We didn't experience racism. They laugh at me, they mock me, and they make shows about it. And that makes me sad for my daughter, too, because she's going through this thing right now with these people being extremely racist, like kids in her class. These boys are just, every day she, there's- She's has, barely has, Korean. She's barely Korean, and uh, because she told them she was Korean because they're making fun of her fan, because it was a Chinese fan. But now every day when she walks in class, she's got some boy passing by her going, ching chong, and like stretching her eyes at her. It's, it's a funny thing where they're like, Duh, Tim Pool makes us, he doesn't like identity politics, but then he talks identity politics. I'm like, no, I don't like critical race praxis. I think identity politics exists and has various forms, both good and bad. But anyway, I'll leave it there. Lisa, thanks for hanging out. Oh, fun. you're welcome. It's my pleasure. And this has been a special, <laughs> I don't know, cultural discussion segment. That I, and I've never done anything like this before, but now, by all means, all of the people in the world can write up whatever they want to write about. And I'll say this to anybody who wants to claim what's true and what's not true 4941 South Laramie, we moved in what, 1989? Yeah, it was like 89. It was that year that my mom says the brick went through the window and they started attacking the family. Right when we moved in. I went to Our Lady of the Snows, which was about a block away from kindergarten until the end of fifth grade, and then went to Mark Twain Elementary because our family didn't have the money to keep sending us to the Catholic school, and then went to public school. And then after that, I went to Kennedy High School for only a few months before leaving for a homeschool correspondence program I never finished. And then because my family tried to open a cafe and we used the house as collateral and the business didn't succeed, we ended up losing the house. Then my mom rented a house. Then my parents got divorced. And then there you go. But I'll mention that after all of that stuff with the gangs and everything within the next year or so, I started hanging out with some other kids, finding my own way, getting involved in Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, skateboarding. And the skateboarding still had a periphery with some of the gang stuff at Venom Park. But for the most part, that really helped me meet a lot of people and get out of these, get out of Chicago. Because then I was going to the suburbs and meeting new skateboarders. I was going to different skate, skate parks, meeting different people with different backgrounds. And then I started traveling more and more and more. And I just got the fuck away from all that stuff. Right. I, I did too. I took off to Vegas and California <laughs> yep. when I was a teenager. Left. I just, I left. I took off out of Chicago. And all right. To- I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks for hanging out and watching this uh, weird special clip. You learned a lot about my background. And I appreciate all of you guys who follow, and uh, I'll say it with absolute sincerity, no conditions. Jenk and Anna Kasparian are fully welcome at their own convenience whenever they want to come on this show. We'll cover all of the costs. We'll get you first class. We'll get you a nice hotel. We're just about an hour outside of D.C. We will take care of everything. You guys can say whatever you want to say about me on my own show to my face, and I'm sure your fans would appreciate it, and I would love to have that conversation. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time.